Lord, we do surrender to you. That seems to be the theme of this worship this morning. It should be the theme of all your people, and we surrender every day to you, because every day we find ourselves sinning, and every day we need to give up that sin and surrender it to you, that you might help us conquer the the sin in our lives so that we can become more like Jesus. So, Lord, today we surrender to you. We hold out our arms wide, like the songs, lyrics of the song says, and we surrender to you. If we don't bow on our literal knees, Lord, our hearts are bowed before you, surrendering to you. You said in your word, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We are sinners, and you are God. You sent your son, Father, to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sins, a debt we could never repay. So we surrender to him today. We surrender all that we have, all that we do, all that we say. We surrender to you. Lord, let that be the theme of the Christian church in the world today. It's time for us to surrender to you. And quit worrying about what we think, but what you say. So, Lord, help us today. Let us hear from your Holy Spirit. To each one of us, I'm sure it'll be different. Let us hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to us today. And let us apply it in our lives that we might be more surrendered every day towards you. And you promise if we humble ourselves, you will exalt us at the proper time. That's not what we're looking for. We're just looking for surrender to you. Yes, Lord. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. While we're on that theme, I just want to go to, just refer real quick before we start, and I announce ourselves. Acts 3.19 says this, one of my favorite verses for myself It says, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins might be blotted out, so that times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. That's the last part. That's what I like, you know, time of refreshing to come to us believers, you know, from the Lord. And how do you get that? You repent. We're all sinners. You repented once, and Jesus saved you from your past, present, and future sins, but we have some work to do in our lives. We have to change, and we have to repent of those things and, and be converted and, and to uh, let our sins be blotted out, and then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. So anyway, for everyone that just tuned in, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. We're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida, which is just south of West Palm Beach. And uh, we're on High Paluxo Road, just a quarter mile west of, of I-95 on High Paluxo. So if you're local, stop in every Sunday at 10 a.m., every Thursday at 7.15. And if you're a man looking for a Bible study, we're here every Saturday at 10 a.m. Or 9 a.m., I'm sorry, 9 a.m. So uh, we have a good time, we, and, and it's good. And then come back Sunday. Online, you can go to freedomchurchpb.org. Freedomchurchpb stands for palmbeach.org. And you can find out all about us, where, where we're located, what we believe in. You know, um, you can listen to messages from the 
from times past, and you can even donate online. Just go to the Give Lifey button. And um, uh, let's, let's see. I did want to encourage you to get back to your churches. You know, it's time to quit hiding out. We're supposed to be like a roaring lion. Harmless as, har- wise as a serpent, as harmless as a dove. You know, and we're from the lion of the tribe of Judah, which, uh, you know, we, we sang this morning. Jesus is our, our lion, and we're to be like him. And we're supposed to be lioness, lions. I don't know if you know this, but a lion, you know, the, the shaggy here, the male lion, it's a beautiful creature. It's not him that really does the hunting. It's the females that do all the hunting. You know, it's amazing, you know, how God has, has uh, designed things. Anyway, um, we're lions, and we go out there like roaring lions into this world, which we're going to see a little bit today and how we can help. Um, so... That's about it. I want you to open up your Bibles and get to Romans chapter 1. I mentioned earlier that I'm going to jump out of the book of Matthew. We, we spent, I don't know, like seven, six, seven weeks in, in Matthew chapter 9 and even several weeks in Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to, you know, it's going to break off in, in chapter 10 to a, a little different theme other than miracles and healing. And I wanted to just... Um, come into Romans here. We've been doing Romans on Thursday night, and it's a real powerful study. And i got to tell you something. If, if you've never been convicted by the Lord, you might be convicted today because Romans is a tough book. It's strong. It's strong. Paul's strong. And uh, I'm going to just review chapter 1 really quick with you. I want you to remember, though, through the theme of all of this, because it's a tough subject when we get towards the end of of chapter um, chapter 1 of Romans. I want you to remember this. God loves you regardless of who you are, what you did, what you have done last night, or what you did this morning. God loves you, and he came to save you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And that world means people that are in the world, not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles, not just the, the pagans, not just the Italians or the Spanish or the Nicaraguans or the Mexicans. He loves you no matter where you're at or what you did. You know, he loves you. But there is a requirement to be a servant, a son of God or a daughter of God. There is a requirement. There's certain things you have to do. One of them is surrender. But we sang, sang this morning. So, Romans chapter 1, I'm going to be, if you see me quoting verses, uh, you know, uh, in uh, Romans or Matthew or, or even, uh, it's going to be probably the New King James Version. I'll be reading out of that. And uh, so I don't know the New King James Version. But our text today and the name of the title of this message is Their Foolish Hearts Were Darkened. Their Foolish Hearts Were Darkened. And Paul is going to be talking about a specific, uh, pretty much a specific, um, what can I say, sin in in the Word of God here. And he wants rid of it, and we need to cleanse ourselves and repent of it. Even even if we, we aren't such a person, we need to... How did, how did Paul say it? 
We need to not encourage people that are into certain sins. We don't encourage them. We try to get them to repent, not to flaunt. To repent, not to flaunt. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I do want to go through um, a few verses in chapter 1, the early verses, like, like verse 1 of Romans. It says here, Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. There's a lot in that verse. You know, uh, Paul is a bond servant of Jesus Christ. He is saying, you know, I have surrendered. I am done. I am, I am God's and I am God's alone. I surrendered all to him. I'm a, I'm a bond servant. I'm a galley slave. I'm the one that rows the boat, chained to the oars, like in the olden Viking days. You know, I'm that one. I'm chained to the oars of Jesus. I'm following him everywhere. I'm rowing. You know, I'm a bond servant. I'm going nowhere. He also says he was called. In other words, that means that word, I looked it up in, in uh, Greek, and it means divinely selected. He was divinely selected. And it also says that he was an apostle separated. There's a bondservant called and separated. He was separated. Let me tell you something before we go on any further. You are supposed to be exactly that, what Paul is, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, totally surrendered, chained to Jesus. You are called, you, every one of you out there that, that is a Christian, you have been called by Jesus Christ. You're no different than Paul. Just Paul's just been called to a, a higher audience at a different time. You are a bond servant of Christ, and you were called. You have been divinely selected by Jesus Christ and Him alone. Whew, what a high calling. Praise the Lord. You have uh, bad self-esteem. You need to, you know, quote this verse. Uh, study, read it a hundred times and quote it back to yourself. You are divinely selected by Jesus Christ Himself. I mentioned it one time, like when I was a kid, we were in elementary school, and every recess we used to play uh, baseball. And we would clench our fists, and we would have a rubber ball, and we'd try to smack it over the fence, you know. Well, when, when we picked sides, you know, the, the captain would, would pick, you know, certain people. And you always wanted to be the one that's first picked, you know, because you're probably one of the best. So here's what God's saying, I divinely selected you, you are my best choice for this for your life to do what I called you to do you were separated also Paul was separated he was separated listen to this at birth he was separated because it says right here I was separated he was separated at birth as you go on you can read in the scripture he was separated at conversion and he was separated at his commission and you know that's the same for us not only are you a bond servant not only are you are are you divinely called you are you are separated from birth. God called you when you were in your mother's womb. He knew that you were going to be his servant. He knew the exact day, the exact hour, the exact scripture that was going to fall. You have been divinely, uh, you were separated at birth. You were separated at your conversion when you were born again. At that point, you were finally born again. You were born in the flesh, but then you were born again in the Spirit, and you have, you have been converted to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then you were separated at your commission. You have the same commission Paul does, to go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have the same credentials as Paul in this chapter. We're divinely called. Verse 4 says, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God through the prophets. We learned also in study in Matthew chapter 8 and 20 and chapter 9 that, that he, Jesus was declared the Son of God through the prophets, through the miracles that he did, through the power, through his holiness. Nobody could convict him of sins, and especially by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus is declared to be the Son of God through the prophets, through miracles, through power, through holiness, and through the resurrection of the dead. Man, you know what? This is a powerful chapter, and we're only in the fourth verse there. But I'm just uh, cruising through this because our main focus is the mid-chapter to the end. Verse 6, among who you were also called. Verse 6 and verse 7 says, to all in Rome. Paul is telling them, I've been called to preach to you. Now, since he was sent to Rome, we know that he was chained to probably two soldiers, and he wrote many of his epistles, his letters from prison, like Galatians and Philippians. And Galatians, we see him describe a soldier, how he's dressed in a full armor, and we see how Paul takes that and turns it into a spiritual battle, the spirit, the sword of the spirit, and the word of, and the and the shield of faith, and all that. We see him. Paul was called there not only for them, but for himself, so that he could teach us even today. Verse 11 says, The purpose of Paul's visit is that he may impart some spiritual gift to them. Okay, this is the early church, and Paul wants to impart some spiritual gift. And it hasn't changed today. God wants to impart a spiritual gift to you. And he he already has, just so you know that. But you may have multiple gifts. But, you know what, Paul knew that he was going to impart a spiritual gift to them, like wisdom, and maybe knowledge, maybe even miracles, and maybe maybe leading of the church, maybe faith and mercy. Paul wanted to, to impart a spiritual gift to them, and that's what your pastor should want to do, you know, in your church, impart a spiritual gift for you. Not so that you can sit on it, but that you can apply it in your church so that the church can grow to be a healthy church, have young people, old people, middle-aged people, you know. You know, that's he wants to impart spiritual gifts. But a lot of a lot of people and even churches, and a lot of Christians and even churches don't don't think the gifts are for today. I tell you, they most certainly are. I need more wisdom more than I ever did, you know, uh, when I was even younger. I need the wisdom of God now instead of the wisdom of this stinking world. Paul says in verse 14, I am a debtor. He said, he's amazed. He's saying, I'm amazed at Christ's, at Christ's mercy and his grace and his goodness to me. I, I was a, a horrible sinner. I, I was there when Stephen was stoned. I was a, really, a, he, was a, he was one of the instigators of it. He went to arrest all the, Jew, all the Jews that had converted over. And then in verse 15, he says, I am ready to preach the gospel. He's ready. He's ready, and so should every believer here be ready to preach the gospel. You can do it if you don't know the Word of God. Just give somebody your testimony. You know, once you were blind and now you can see, 
You know, how you didn't know Jesus, but all of a sudden, you know, something happened. You don't know how it happened, or you do know how it happened, and you tell them. Paul gave his testimony in the book of Acts many times. Many times. That's all he had to do. He, you know, why, why is he saying this? He says, because he's unashamed. In verse 16, he is unashamed of the gospel of Christ. And everybody today needs to be unashamed, as a Christian, of the, of the gospel of Christ. They can't hide out and be a be a undercover a spy Christian. You've got to let everybody know you're a Christian. You've got to be unashamed of Jesus. And if you are ashamed of Jesus, it's, you're you're going to lack power from the Holy Spirit. That means if you're ashamed to preach the gospel or tell somebody your testimony, you you're ashamed because you didn't use the Word of God, which is the power. You are powerless. So you have to use the Word of God. That's why I use a lot of Scripture up here. I love Scripture because I'm, I'm just a, a man. And I'm not a very intelligent man. I'm just a man. It's just God's Word. If you base yourself on God's Word, you're going to look like you're wise. Why? You're, he's unashamed. You know why? Because the gospel revives men. You were lost and now you're fine. You were blind and now you see. Why? Also because it's the power of God. Paul's seen all kind of power. God do this and God did that. You know, he raised, uh, Paul raised um, Eutychus from the dead. Fell out of a third floor window and he was dead. And Paul went down and did basically what Elisha or Elijah did by raising the widow's son. He, he laid on him, you know, he, and, he, and he did pretty much similar to that. You know, Paul did amazing things because he was unashamed. He had the power of God. People were raised from the dead by Paul and Peter. Lame walked, the blind saw, the deaf heard, and the mute spoke. He had power. He was unashamed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Don't be ashamed to be called a Jesus freak or a holy ruler. No big deal. This is the king of all kings. And you are divinely chosen by him. It's also prophetic, Paul says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's prophetic. It's provable. The gospel is provable. You know, try to find Jesus' body. All they had to do was find Jesus' body. You had the whole Roman army looking for him. You had all the Jews and the, and the scribes and the, and the Pharisees looking for him, and nobody could find him. And the, the disciples found him alive because he appeared in the, in the room that evening with the 11 disciples with Thomas absent, and he proved to them he was the Son of God. He, and then they went to their deaths for him. So listen, I wouldn't die for a lie. I don't know about you. These men, they were tortured terribly. And, and uh, what could I say? All their lives. The gospel is provable. Jesus walked out of the tomb. Muhammad's dead. Buddha's dead. I think Buddha, I believe, is, has, has been cremated and his ashes planted under the, the piers of seven or eight temples. He's dead. Jesus is alive, and he's well. It's provable. Even writings from antiquity pretty much tell us that, like Josephus. It's personal. The gospel is personal. You know, it's personal for, for each and every one of you, whether what, you know, whether what color you are, what language you speak, you know, 
no matter what country you live in, it is personal to you, God's message. And it's also preachable. It's very preachable. You know what? 31,102 verses in this Bible, and you could take any one of them and preach on it. Pretty much any pastor could do that. So it's the power of God for, for new birth, for salvation, for establishing you in faith, to regenerate, uh, regenerate your faith, to set you free, which is what Paul's going to get into at the end of this chapter, to set you free, to cleanse the church. The church today, do we really want to be cleansed? Do we like our, uh, you know, our, our uh, drunkenness or our lusts? You know, do we really, the, you know, the church needs to cleanse itself. Do we like our adultery that's all through the church and homosexuality and sodomy and, and, yeah, and all that kind of stuff? You name it. And lies and cheating and stealing. The, 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 this is for the cleansing of the church. The power of God is to cleanse the church. Ephesians 5.26 says this, that he might sanctify it, the church, and cleanse her by the washing of water by the word. The, the Lord wants to cleanse the church, and we have to step into that position. Everybody says, I want revival. You know what? Revival's already been here. It's just you haven't acted on it. You, each and every one of us, is the beginning of a revival. We have to be hungry and surrendered to the Lord, and revival is here. God never took a revival away. Man walked away. You heard about the driver, you know, driving, the honey, the, the, the person's been married for 50 years, and the wife says to the honey, how come we don't sit together anymore at the car? He said, well, I haven't moved. It's you that moved. Jesus didn't move. It's you or me that moved away, and it's time for us to cleanse ourselves. It's the power of God to search your life. It's the power of God to impart morality. It's the power of God to bring you peace and to give you protection, to make you a partaker with Christ. Wow. And get his, the power of God for the fullness of his blessing. That's pretty much the first, first part of the chapter of, uh, of Romans. But we have deeper things to look in today. But I want to capitalize on verse 16 about, I am unashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. Paul's going to turn to a sin in the church that is rampant, and he wants it done with. He wants the church cleansed, and he, he's telling us what we must do. And how are we going to do it? We're going to have to do it by being unashamed of the gospel. Like you're unashamed to flaunt your adultery or your, or your lies or your sexual immorality or your lust. You know what? You've got to be unashamed of the gospel of Christ. Verse 21. Uh, their foolish hearts were darkened. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became fruitile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Remember, as we move through this, and I'm going to try to bring it out several times, God loves you regardless of your sin. Okay? He loves you regardless of your sin. But there are consequences 
of sin. Listen, although they knew God, people know God. They, they, you can't get around it. People know God. It's, 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 it's invisible attributes have been seen since, since creation. It's impossible for them not to know God. How much, you ever notice that an atheist tries to disprove God? You know why? Because he fears there is a God. He's trying to make sure he, he, you know, there is, is not a God to make him feel better about himself. But someday he's going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ if he repents or the white throne, some uh, right, great white throne judgment if he does not repent. Although they knew God, everyone has seen his invisible attributes since the beginning of time. And, they, and also in that verse, he says they stopped being thankful. You know what? When I came up here today, you know what? When I prayed, I said, Thank you, Lord, for eyes that see and ears that hear and a nose that smells and a tongue that tastes and fingers that, that feel and a heart that beats and lungs that breathe. You know what? They, they forgot. They they. They began to be not thankful to the Lord. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the breath that comes from God right now to your next breath. You or I both. They stopped being thankful. And God's saying here, everyone is without excuse. My invisible attributes have been seen since the beginning of the world. Have you stopped being thankful, church? Are you thankful your sins are forgiven? Oh, yeah, you're thankful about that. Are you thankful that, you, you know, that you're, you're living in sin? Maybe, maybe not. There's a danger here. But in verse 22, it says, Yet they profess to be wise, they become fools. I don't know if you know it, but, but a lot of people that have all kinds of degrees, they, they seem to get stupider. You know why? Because they're educated by man's wisdom. But you are being educated by God's wisdom right here. So you tell me who's smarter. You're going to be smart and wise in God or smart and wise of this world? There's a consequence here, and, it's, it's, it, and what it is is they're going to be fruitile in, in their thoughts, and their foolish heart's going to be darkened. That's what he's saying to them. If, if they don't glorify him as God, their foolish hearts are going to be darkened. And a dark heart pretty much tells you it means evil dwells there, doesn't it? I know when, when I send a text to somebody like uh, someone I love, I'll put a red heart there. But if I put a black heart there, I bet somebody would really question me. 1 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says that the weapons of our warfare, um, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're mighty through God, the pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against God. If this is happening to your heart, you need to, you know, pull out your spiritual weapons and cast down your, your vain imaginations that there is no God and glorify Him as God, and your foolish heart will be brightened. Professing to be wise, they become fools. We've got to be careful here. I see it in my own family, and it shocks me. The wisdom of man, according to 1 Corinthians 3.19, is foolishness before God. God sits in heaven and laughs at us. 
because we think we're so smart. They become proud with all these degrees and arrogant, and then they become disrespectful, even the parents, because they're so well-educated, but they're educated in carnality of the world instead of the wisdom of Almighty God, the creator of the universe. Verse 23, And they exchanged the glory of their incorruptible God into images made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. Number one, man. Did you know the Egyptian, an Egyptian once said this, If I were God, I would be powerful, bright, and cause crops to grow, and I would blast people who are out of line and disobedient to my laws. You know who their God is? Ra, the Egyptian sun god. Then we got here birds. You know the American Indian says, if I were God, I would be, I would soar over the mountains majestically. You know what his God is? The eagle. Then there's four-footed animals. The Hindu says this, If I were God, I would be gentle and caring. So his God became a cow. Then we see creeping things. And the American and, and the people that live today, their creeping things are seen in movies and TV shows like Godzilla and Star Trek and Batman and Star Wars. There's nothing wrong with them. I saw most of those movies. But they aren't my God. But there's people that actually make it. You're going, how many, how many Spider-Man movies do we need anyhow? You know what it's about? It's about this. And it's all so demonic to bring you in. Do you ever notice that it gets darker the next one down the line? Their God is a serpent and snakes and scorpions and even frogs. These gods are uh, these are the gods of the pagans. Even some of us Christians, and we got to watch it very, very much so, because some of our some of our uh, gods are the dolphins and the steelers and the seahawks and the buccaneers. We got to be careful. These people, they go overboard. They're gone. They, put, they paint their faces to, to match their, their team. They make tattoos of themselves. They put watermelons on their head so they look goofy. They jump up and down. They scream at the top of their lungs, and they dance. But the church sits quiet. They get drunk. They love every minute of it. They look forward to it. I look forward to a good football game. That ain't my God. I can't watch it. And I can't watch it. Verse 24 and 25. Remember, God loves you regardless of your position. I'm just declaring the Word of God. Don't get mad at me and not tune in next week. I'm just declaring the Word of God. We're preachers supposed to preach the full counsel of God like Paul, like Paul did. The full counsel, not hide the, from, the, from the tough subjects. This is a tough subject. We didn't even get there yet, but it's coming up. This is a tough subject. The church got to be cleansed. 
Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, and in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. Since pagans worship animals, then you know what happens to them? They become like animals. They act like animals. The truth is, if we become like that which we worship, we will be like it. You know what? That's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, and then we will become like Jesus. But we with all unveiled faces, says 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. See, I, I didn't just pick that out of the blue. Scripture backs me up. If you follow Jesus, you will become like Jesus. If you follow the dolphins, you'll become like a dolphin. If you follow, you know, uh, anything like that, you're going to become like them. But you've got to fall like Jesus. You've got to, to follow after him. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. You have to look past the pastor that's given you a tough message and look into the eyes of God and find out why he did this for you. Because he won't, don't want you to have a foolish heart that's darkened. Verse 25a, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. These people suppress the truth and they deny there is a God, even though creation declares it. Psalm, 19, Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. You can't get away from it. You are without excuse. Think about it. Think about the universe. Everything's perfect, rotates, perfect. Every, what, in 90 years, Halley's Comet comes around. I think it's like every 90 years. I mean, it's perfectly tuned. You know what? Your body is made the same way. Every animal out there is made the same way. You know, you're perfectly tuned. If one chemical gets out of balance... You're not perfectly tuned anymore. If you were in the solar system, you would crash into a planet somewhere because you're not tuned in. You're not on the path. We've got to be careful. We've got to stay on the path and keep our eyes on Jesus because the heavens declare the glory of God. Because of this, they begin to act like animals. They worship animals rather than the Creator, it says. Yet in, in uh, Isaiah 1.3, I'm going to open it up to you. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah starts off with a powerful, a powerful little note. And I love it. I use it a lot. Isaiah 1. I'm going to start halfway through. No, I'm going to start in the second verse. Here's Isaiah. Hear o, Israel, hear, o heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. It's time to repent and surrender. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know me. My people do not understand. Man, God's telling you an ox knows his master, but you don't know that you have a master in heaven. 
Now, who's the stupid one here? Man or animal? Not only an ox, but a donkey. But Israel doesn't know. Some of the churches today don't know. They just go to church out of convenience, or they're just used to it. They were brought up that way. Instead of going to church to find Jesus, to grow closer to him. Verse 25b, And worshipped and served the creature, that's the devil, rather than the creator. Because of this, man is not improving physically, morally, intellectually, or spiritually. Because he's worshipping the creature rather than the creator. They are being pulled downward in, 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 in a path of destruction. And they glorify God not as God. They, they're being pulled down to hell. Man is consistently moving away from God with each passing generation. I don't know if you see it, but I see it. Think about all the stupid laws, Roe Ro versus Ways, the prayers being taken out of school. We're spiraling down to, a, to, a, a, to, to hell. You heard about the person that prayed, God, help me. Keep my children safe at school. He said, I'm not going to do that. You kicked me out. Although they have a knowledge of God, they are moving away from him. They have a knowledge. There's a lot of people that believe there's a God, but they're moving away from him because they have not identified him. And I, the radiant Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews 1.3, is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of his nature. And Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Colossians tells us that, that uh, he holds all things together, Jesus. Scientists tell us that they can't figure out how an atom can stay together. Because you've got a proton, a neutron, an electron, and they repel each other. They don't, you know what? Do you know who's holding it together? I got an answer for him. His name is Jesus. And when he says that's enough, he can just let go and poof, there it is. We love sin. Why? Why are they moving away from God? Because we love sin. And God convicts us of our sins. Therefore, they hide from him. I did it for years. I'll bet some of you did too. They do not give him rightful place. They're self-sufficient. But remember in all this, God loves you. That's a tough message, but you've got to get through it to understand God loves you, and that's why he's telling you these things. For this reason, God gave them up to their vile passions, and even the women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. This is a passion, a woman with a woman, is a passion of dishonor, disgrace, and depravity. God gave them up to their vile affections. He gave them up. He's like, like, I'm, like I'm, I'm writing you off for a time. But he loves you. He wants you to come back to him. He wants you to get rid of this vile passion. It doesn't matter what society says about what we just read here, women exchanging the natural use for what is against nature. It doesn't matter what, what society says. It doesn't matter what the government of the United States says. It doesn't matter what the UN says or anybody says. It matters what God says. 
And he says it's, a, it's, it's against nature. And he gave them up because of it to their vile passions. In other words, they wouldn't listen to him. Verse 27, Likewise also men with men leaving the natural use of women and burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful. Again, another sin, just like uh, what's above in verse 26. Uh, sins of dishonor and disgrace and depravity, women with women and men with men. But God loves you. He doesn't want you to go there. There's a, there's a, there's a consequence coming up in this chapter for those that do go there. No, I want you to note this. Do you know that Greece fell because of all its perversion? Do you know that Alexander the Great was gay? Do you know that he never had any sons? Do you know that his land, the conquered world, was divided between his four generals? Because he had no son. You know why? He was gay. History will tell you that. Do you know that Rome fell? Do you know that Rome, 14 out of the last 15 emperors of Rome were gay? And they picked gay generals and gay commanders over their armies. And you wonder why they fall. Men acting like women. They, they're supposed to be strong and tough and roar like a lion. Now they become passive. And, and uh, you know, one of the men out of the two, you know, one of them's uh, designed to be a woman. And so now they, now they got weakness added to the army because half of it's, half of it's um, a womanized. And there's nothing wrong with women. God loves women. God loves you. God loves you even if you are in these sins. And he will always love you. But there's a consequence you'll pay. And you are, there's a way to be delivered from this. The church stays away from it. And then the people, they flaunt their sin in the church. And it's terrible. It's not good. We're supposed to repent. That our sins might be forgiven or blotted out, says uh, Acts 3.19. Rome fell to depravity. Greece fell to depravity. And now I want to tell you, church, Christ America is in trouble. America is in big trouble because they will not listen to God and their foolish heart has been darkened. You know what? I'm going to preach the gospel whether people come to church or not, whether they turn off the Internet or what. It's going to be done this way, and that's what the church needs to do. You give me a church of 20,000, and I'll bring it down to 12 in no time. These people, here, verse 27b, and receiving, listen, and receiving within themselves the penalty of their error which was due. For dwelling in the pit of depravity is evidenced through history and culture by them accepting and glorifying homosexuality. Why do they call it sodomy? Do you have any idea? Isn't that what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah? Because they were homosexuals? Do you know that when God sent the two angels, the angel of the Lord stayed with Abraham, and the two angels went into Sodom, and, and uh, these guys tried to rape them. Angels. They didn't know they were angels. Lot even offered his virgin daughters to them, and they didn't want anything to do it. They wanted the, the men angels. Now, listen. You know what? God, 
God had mercy on Sodom and Gomorrah. He loves them. He loved them. Listen, you know why I know that? Because when Abraham asked him about Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, um, why did you come down? He said, because I come down to see if what I hear from heaven is, is a, a truth. So when the angels went into the city, God didn't just rest on, oh, I hear it in heaven. No, he, he came down. He tried to get them. Maybe they'll recognize they were angels and maybe they would repent. But they did. They immediately, you know, they immediately took when I wanted to get to the angels. They were in the pit of depravity. And that's evidence through history. The LGBT, if I don't even know if the initials are right, and I don't care. You know what I mean. They, they march and flaunt their gayness. I'm sorry, that's against the, the, the laws of God. They, put, they flaunt it on TV shows now. Now, me at Livis has a habit of turning off the TV if they, you see a gay couple there. I don't know. You know, this is that. Why do they put that there? All they care about is this. They don't care about God. They're advertising, even the TV ads, you know, you see men with men or women with women. And we know what they're saying. Even in magazines, go to Publix. Do you know Vanity Fair is like the Playboy of 1955? The covers are, are worse. And now, you know what really bothers me? They're trying to steal God's rainbow as their logo. That rainbow is God's logo, that he will never destroy the world again with water. And so man can have peace. And knowing that they're trying to steal from God. You know what Satan tried to do? He tried to steal God's glory. You know, the scriptures are very clear. He'll let nobody uh, take his glory. You can't have the rainbow. This is a mockery of God. And what is the penalty that they will receive within themselves? Listen, receive within themselves. Think about this. I suggest my number one is AIDS. Also STDs. Also herpes. But the main one here is AIDS. They will receive the penalty that will receive within themselves. And that one of them is AIDS. And how many people and homosexuals have died of AIDS over the years? Oh, I believe, and I think God did find, you know, men did finally find a cure or halted in some way, and I'm glad for that. But I want you to know, even if you are that, that and you do have it, God loves you. He just wants you to return. He just wants you to return. Return. Repent and return, that your sins may be forgiven and blotted out, and then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. This, this homosexuality is a breeding ground for sins to follow that are listed in this chapter. Verse 28. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. In other words, what's God saying here? I love you, but I do not approve. I love you with all my heart. But I do not approve of what you're doing. And I gave you over. I gave you up to a vile mind. And let your heart be darkened. God does not approve of men and women 
what the men and women, God does not approve men and women to be with like partners. You know what? Even Americans might approve of, of gayness, homosexuality, sodomy. Men and women may approve, but God doesn't. Families may approve, but God doesn't. Countries may approve, but God doesn't. The United States might approve, but God doesn't. YouTube and TV shows and movies in Hollywood approve, but God does not approve. God loves you, America. God loves you, church. You claim to be a Christian. One of the proofs of being a Christian is you turn from your sins. You repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then he lists the sin. God does not approve of these sins. He's got, you know what? God's focusing, Paul's focusing on sodomy, okay, or homosexuality, but God has a list here that he don't approve of, and it's all rampant through the church too. Verses 29 through 32. Of unrighteousness he does not approve. Sexual immorality he does not approve. Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, gossips, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgments of God, that those who practice them are deserving of death, who do not only do the same, but they approve of it. You know, the church is approving of these sins. Church is approving of homosexuality. You can, you can come to this church if you, you claim to be a homosexual, a homosexual or gay or a sodomite. I, don't, I, I, I would love you to come to church, but you aren't going to flaunt your gayness. And you might be or will be, not might be, you will be convicted by the Holy Spirit. And if you can do that, I suggest you go to church. A church is preaching the full gospel of God, and you will be saved because God loves you. All he wants to do is see that you have a repentant heart. That's the prayer that God will always answer, for a prayer of repentance. You could say, God, I want to win the lottery, and he doesn't have to answer you, and he probably don't. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, will you do this? And he could say no, but if you're a believer, he, has, he hears you. And the prayer he's waiting to hear from the world is, I repent. You know what he wants to hear from the church? I repent. Because we ought to be ashamed of ourselves what goes on. Even the preachers and, the, and a lot of preachers, and I'm not saving everybody. I know a lot of preachers, and I know a lot on TV, and they're excellent. But there are some out there It's all about this. That ain't going to get you anywhere. The application here is the problem with is is a problem with depravity. In Exodus or Leviticus chapter twenty and verse thirteen. I think I have it marked here. Leviticus. It's right in the front. Chapter twenty, verse thirteen. I'll read it to you. 
This is the Mosaic law, okay? If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That's the Levitical law. You shall be put to death. I suggest that you come to Jesus and you be born again and the old man will pass away and he will die and you will become a new creature because therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature. The old things are passed away and behold all things have become new. That's what God wants. He wants you to come to him. That's it. Repent. Return. Biblically when a culture in the, the Old Testament embraces homosexuality, that's the end of the line. Rome, Greece, Old Testament and New Testament theology absolutely, unmistakably forbids homosexuality. The sin is, is not just bad, it's forbidden. It's forbidden, but yet people flaunt their gayness. Forbidden because it destroys us corporately. You know why? I, I mentioned Alexander the Great. His land was divided between four generals because he was a homosexual and had no sons to pass it on to. Homosexuality, you know, uh, damages us psychologically. They receive in themselves the recompense for their error. It changes who they are. God says, stay away from it. We need to stay away from it. Homosexuality also devastates you physiologically. Do you know that 65 to 75% of Central American nations are infested with HIV? 65 to 75%. Recent research has indicated that HIV could have been the plague that wiped out civilizations like the Canaanites. Here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter 14. It says in that chapter that the Canaanites were Sodomites, and God gave them 400 years to repent until Israel came into the Promised Land, and because they did not repent, He had them destroyed. Homosexually, homosexuality destroys societal society. When Rome fell, I mentioned the 14 of the last 15 emperors were gay, approving and appointing generals that were gay and commanders that were gay. But if you go to the New Testament in Jesus' day, do you know there are five centurions mentioned? Those are commanders. There are five centurions mentioned in, in the New Testament, and all of them were respectable men. So homosexuality hadn't got there yet, or wasn't verbal. Homosexuality disfigures theologically. Men become wimps, and women become masculine. Man, the woman who is, is supposed to be tender and a man is supposed to be strong. But their rules are reversed. It's not good. Homosexuality is indicative. 
It's when people who know God don't glorify God, nor do they give him thanks. Listen, I'm going to end it here, but I hope you stayed tuned in and didn't walk up because I tried to drive it home to you that God loves you regardless of your sin. One sin of lie, I'm just as guilty as, as someone else. Because if you fail one part of the law, you're guilty of it all. But the point is, we're supposed to be repentant. We're supposed to surrender our lives to the Lord. America's in big trouble. I love this nation. I came back from Vietnam. I actually kissed the ground in Tacoma, Washington. And I remember when that airplane lifted up off the, off the airfield in Vietnam, I think it was Saigon or Long Bend or one of those, I think it was Saigon, when that airplane lifted up off the ground, we had a couple hundred men on that airplane, and every one of us did not have their seatbelt fastened. We were up in the air standing up praising God or, or saying, Hallelujah, we're going home. You've got to surrender America's in trouble, and I wanted to see it corrected. If we're on YouTube, we might be taken off. <laughs> Listen, God wants your heart. And he wants you to turn around, repent, and go in the opposite direction that you're headed right now. That goes for the church, the ones that sit here today, the ones that are here online, and even because all of us are sinners. We all have to surrender more and more each and every day. God says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, In your time of trouble, I listen to you. Now's the day of salvation. He said, I helped you. You remember. You remember when you called out to God and he helped you. You can think back in your life. God's saying, now it's your turn to help me. I want you. Now, now is your day of salvation. So just call out to the Lord with your whole heart. Repent of your sin. Turn away from, uh, from that sin and, and even the people that, that might lead you in the wrong direction and pick up new relationships with new Christian people that are following after Jesus and have their eyes fixed on him. And to God be the glory in the name of Jesus. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. I pray and hope that everyone here and online and those listening down the road will understand that you love them so much but you are also a, a strong God and a just God. Lord, you love them with all your heart. But Lord, help us to turn from our sin and to make you happy and fix our eyes upon your son Jesus and never become more like him each and every day. And, and to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you all.